Well, this morning, I want to talk to you, though, about Ruth and hope rising up. And I think one of the best ways is some 3,000 years removed, we're, we're talking about this story in Ruth 1 and 2. We'll finish the second chapter. Like I say, give us a little patience. Hopefully by the end of this week, maybe we'll get the next two up online for you to listen if you've missed any part of the Ruth series. Um, there's this guy. His name's Elimelech. And Elimelech's got a wife, and her name's Naomi, and they have uh, two boys. And uh, basically, there's a famine in, in Judah, and they decide to go down to Moab 50 miles away because they, there's the false gods down there, but there's jobs and there's food, and they think it's going to be okay, and they stay for 10 years. And the boys played in Little League ball in Moab, had Moab girlfriends, and they married Moab women, and that ain't good. And, uh, and then the, the husband dies, Elimelech dies, and the, and the boys die, and Naomi's now got Orpah, and, he's, and she's got Ruth, and... She's got these two foreign women, but she loves her daughter-in-laws, and they have to, and the famine's over, and there's food now back in Bethlehem and Judah, so they go, we're going to go back to Judah. So they go back to Judah, and she says, hey, girls, uh, there's nothing there for you. Uh, I can't give you kids, and your husbands are dead, so stay here. And, and Orpah says, see ya! And uh, Orpah leaves, and we, she dis, she's never remembered, reminded of again in the scriptures, but Ruth. Oh, Ruth. Ruth says, man, when you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God because she learned about Jehovah. She came to know God in a great way, great foreshadowing of Christ. And she comes up and they begin to make the way and then they're starving to death. And she goes into the field of a guy named Boaz. And Boaz has provision. We'll look at his life today and it begins to progress on. And next week, I got a little bit ahead of myself because it's only 80 verses and I've been reading this thing. But next week we're having spring break in chapter 3. I shouldn't have said that because now you won't listen to anything else. And you're like, man, what's in spring break in chapter three? That's next week, okay? But anyway, so chapter two, they end up in a field, and it's a great thing. And uh, uh, they, you know, they're, they're just, they're going to celebrate what God's doing, and she's going to see God move. And uh, so chapter one, it closes, and it's dark. Chapter two, you begin to see some life. You begin to see the provision of God. And as we finish chapter 2, we'll see greater provision, continued provision of the Almighty. Because remember when I said last weekend, God is sovereign and God is good. Can you say that with me? God is sovereign and God is good. And uh, so they, she comes into the land and she has to glean, she has to pick up from the barley harvest. And uh, she's, uh, she meets this man named Boaz and he is a he is a spiritual leader. He's a strong man. He has deep character. He walks with God. Matter of fact, you squeeze him and God flows out. And you speak to Boaz and the blessings come out. I mean, Boaz, Boaz is a man to emulate. Just write that in your notes. Man, be like a Boaz, guys. I mean, he's one that helps us. And he even interacts not just with this foreign woman good. He interacts with his employees. He treats them well. And they treat him back. It's a reciprocal kind of thing. And Boaz has hope in God. And we're going to see today that Ruth... Uh, has hope and she's kind of carrying the hope of Christ if you will but uh, but Naomi she changes her name to Mara which means bitter but we begin to see by the time we get to the end of the chapter two hope is beginning to rise up in this woman of faith the woman that had literally introduced her daughter-in-laws to God but she lost her way and, and things were tough and so, uh, but this, this cool dude, Boaz, he speaks to her and he's kind to her and he takes care of her and his character's so deep and, uh, and yet Ruth never expected, I don't think, I don't think she expected a great Jewish landowner would be so kind and he would be so gracious. And uh, so that's where we pick up. Verse 14, let's stand together. Chapter 2, verse 14, bring your Bibles every weekend. We're going to read from the Word of God. 
And I'm reading down the New Living Translation. If you don't have the NLT, yours will read a little different, but it'll be very close in uh, 14 and following. And mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with the harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted, and then she still had some leftover. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on the purpose for her, and let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and she... Uh, when she bit out the grain that evening, it was filled the entire basket, and she carried it back into town, and she showed it to her mother-in-law. And Ruth also gave the roasted grain that was left over from her mill. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. She's not aware. I don't know who's done this. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man whose field she had worked, and she said, the man I work with today, his name is Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He's showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. And that man is one of our closest relatives. He's one of our family redeemers. He's one of our kinsmen redeemers. I'll break that down next weekend. And then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women of Boaz's field. She gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest, and then she continued working with them though the wheat harvest in early summer, or through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. And chapter 2 closes. Isn't that a great ending? I mean, you're, we're going to go into a love story, and she lives with her mother-in-law. That's what you were hoping for, wasn't it, guys? Okay, that's a little humor. Some of us got it. Okay, you can go ahead and be seated. All right. So, saturated with the love of the father is Boaz. And uh, what is apparent is that he grants her some new status. He's, he's really gracious to her. He, he looks out for her. And right at the top of your, uh, uh, your notes, matter of fact, it just hit me. I bragged on you, Blake, because you did an amazing job. I never got a worship guide this week. This has never happened to me. I, I'm okay because I, I got my thing. But it, I just looked down at my worship guide like, I forgot to pick it up. Okay, but, but right here, I want to, I, we're going to be able to fill in because the screens are working. But I, I want you to read this little uh, paragraph at the top. Look what it says. During a period of great irresponsibility, and it was, in Israel's history, the book of Ruth was clear it was a clear call to responsible living. Remember the chapter that precedes the book of Judges? They all did right in their own eyes. Clearly this message is needed today as well. The book answers many challenging questions we have. Like, and I, I get asked this a lot, where is God in the midst of tragedy or pain? Secondly, where is God when we have no hope? And Naomi would say, I have no hope, and Ruth did, but she gets hope. And the third one is, how does God help me when I'm trying to be a person of integrity, a person with character? So you take a careful examination of this book, and I think it begins to answer some of these questions for us. And as I was doing research this past week and getting ready for this message, I, these are some just bonus points, but I think they're important. I want you to write them down because Ruth did. Did you write this down? Ruth was doing the right thing. It is always the right thing to do the right thing, and the church said. Now, Ruth didn't go, you know, hey, look, my, you know, my father-in-law's dead. My husband's dad, my sister-in-law, she took off. Now I'm with this mother-in-law. And guys, let me tell you something. Naomi's cranky. She's bitter. 
I mean, she's not like Miss Pleasant when she came in every evening. You know, she becomes that person. So it's always right to do the right thing. And, and I think about, you know, here's a question. What has God told you to do? Write that inside of your notes. What has God told you to do? See, if God's told you to do something, that's the right thing to do. Somebody's always said, what was the last thing God told you to do? Do that. And when he speaks again, then do that. But a lot of times, I'm like, well, I don't want to do that because that was hard. Ruth exemplifies to me, and I think to you, that she was willing to do the right thing. The scripture declares that obedience is always better than sacrifice. Even though Ruth was a woman of a sacrificial means, she obeyed God. The second time, second thing is, it's always right to do the right thing. It's also correct and right to do it at the right time. Now, I don't know about you, but the timing of God has never quite aligned with my timing or yours. Would I have a witness there? I mean, God's timing, like the, the, this little girl that we're waiting on in our family. I mean, I mean, for three weeks now, every time my phone rings, we jump. And, and this week, she's going to come. Hallelujah. And, you, and you've, you've had that and healing. And, and then Jeff getting sick. I mean, man, come on, God. We got already our staff short. We're on a fast. We're a little cranky. We need a little help. And Jeff got sick. We had a night of worship, Father. But you know, God's, how many believe God's in charge and he's sovereign and he's in control and he's going to do great things through the middle of this? I do. I certainly wouldn't have picked it for my brother, but you know, he's, he's going to walk through and he's having that delicious hospital food I saw last night. Not, okay, all right. But don't worry, there are people in this congregation and people around the community that are bringing in Frosties in Jesus' name and yogurt and other foods. Okay, so the right time. Timing is everything when it comes to the kingdom of God. How many would agree with that statement today? The timing of God. So we got to wait on him. Ecclesiastes, write it down. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. I love Ecclesiastes, really a companion to the book of Proverbs, Solomon here. He says, to everything there is a reason, a time for every matter or purpose under heaven. To everything, there is a reason. Now, guys, I got to tell you, sometimes we ain't going to figure it out on this side of glory. And sometimes it gets revealed in five minutes, five days, five weeks, five decades, eternity. But God's timing is perfect in this keros, this supernatural time, discernment. Uh, you know, how about the divine reality? Lazarus dies. Come on, guys, he died. He walked in there and said, behold, he stinketh. He'd been... It didn't really say that, but it should. He's been dead for three days. Why is there a delay? Because the manifest presence and the glory is given to God through Jesus Christ, His Son, through the resurrection. And you read all about when the, the waiting of the 120 in the upper room, and they wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's God's timing. All through Scripture, God's got a time. And if He's got it then, He's got it now. He's not changing. Here's the next third thing. Do it with the right spirit. When we do things, we need to do it with the right spirit. Your attitude either hinders or it helps you and it allows us to go forth. And, and Ruth doesn't allow extenuating external circumstances to contaminate her internally. She chooses to have the attitude of God. I, I could stop right there, take up another offering and go home, and you've already had enough food to munch on this week. Amen? Amen? I mean, I don't, hey, come on, guys, let's be real. Do y'all ever struggle with attitude? Okay, well, I, I thought I was in the right congregation. If I wasn't, I was going to go down the street and see if they got an attitude. Okay. 
and we got a wrong attitude, man, but we got a passive attitude and we got to overcome and we got to say, God, I, I want to trust you. The, the children of Israel, they're in the wilderness and they're whining and whining and whining. And God, you know what God did? He says, let the whining continue. Forty years they whined. Every time we fast as a faith family, I think about the wilderness and, and God provided manna every day and the manna would come down and God provided brown rice and he provided lettuce and he provided greens and he provided strawberries glory to jesus and he provided raisins and he provided this and at the end of it like god and again you're gonna and i'm thinking hey dude at least you've got some variety you know what i'm saying they're having a manna every day you know what it teaches you and me god's not really into whining but we are do, does anybody agree with me how many of you like to whine now don't raise your hand your wife or your husband will raise it for you they whine all the time they don't get their way, they whine. Man, I do. I'm not proud. I'm just sitting there reading the scripture going, God, this is a great passage for me. And I think maybe my friends, maybe not. One pre one's present condition doesn't determine their future position. Ruth finds herself in a difficult place in chapter 1. We move into chapter 2, and she's an industrious hard worker. But that doesn't define who Ruth is. Scripture, God defines who Ruth is. And as you finish the end of the book, you're going, blessed is Ruth, the Moabite. So let's move on. Three things here, or as you look through it, you think about how uh, uh, connections, it, it, you know, about how important it is to be connected to the right people. In, in Scripture, I just wrote down some examples here, David and Jonathan. What a, a, a ministry of partnership and companionship. Mary and Elizabeth, Elijah and Elisha. And then you've got the demonic setup. You've got Jezebel and Ahab and Ananias and Sapphira. And, and you see all these things. So sometimes we can be connected to the, right down, be connected to the right people. When you're connected, and I'm not, I'm not saying go out and be a name caller or all that, but when you're connected to people that have a testimony, when you're connected to people that are striving, purposing to be mature in Christ, that's the right people to be connected to. The, the, the flow of the favor of God. Earlier, it talks about uh, may the Lord bless the one who helped you, uh, sending blessings out. This favor goes forth. Uh, we, we could talk about favor all morning when we want, but I'm talking about the, the, the flow of favor. Hear this. The flow of favor is not just for your behalf. I believe the flow of favor is that you can pass it on. You have been blessed to be a blessing. Write it down. You have been blessed to be a blessing to others. I think it's the only reason the Father blesses us, that we can be a conduit to pass on the blessing of the Almighty. If you have a job, if you have goods, it's to be a blessing. If you have a spiritual gift, it's to be a blessing to others. If you have life, it's to be a blessing. It's to let your life flow out. Uh, you know, the more I read Scripture, the more I realize this life is not about me, but it's about Jesus. And the more I read Scripture, I realize it's not about, about me. It's about the body of faith. It's about the body of community. It's about the ones that aren't in here today, and it's about how do we reach them. Now, we could talk all day about this. And last weekend, some of you girls, I had a young single come up to me and says, Oh, Pastor, I love this. I love that tip you gave. Tell, tell the men to love Jesus and get a job. I like that. I got a third tip today. How many want a third tip? So you're like, I don't know. Okay, we, we'll, give, we'll give the women a third tip here in a minute, whether they want it or not. It, it'll be good for them. So Ruth is uh, this person. She lives in this community now. Um, they, they've come back into Judah. It, it's a good place. The, the people in that region worship God, and, 
and she chooses to be a person that worship God's, worships God, and, and life has been difficult for her. Life has been very difficult for Naomi. Hope is beginning. Uh, starvation is over. The famine's over. They've come back in. The blessing of the Lord is back on southern Israel, on Judah, and they're beginning to experience God. But let's look here in verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz called her, come over here. Guys, write in your Bible. He asked her for a date. He asked the woman for a date. I mean, right here. And here is the tip. Are you ready, guys? Take the girl to dinner. Now, and don't go Dutch. I don't know where the heck that came from. That came from the pit of hell. Bunch of cheap guys. Don't go. And the girls are, oh, I love you, Pastor. I love you. I'll give extra next week. Okay, but here's the deal. Guys, uh, yeah, if you're interested in that girl, you're pursuing her, don't be cheap. You know, be Christian. And, and don't go Dutch, man. Take her on a date. And here's what it says. And, take, and go on a nice dinner. Hey, yes, guys, and you might even consider shaving. You might even put your shirt on and put some shoes on, you know, a button-up. I don't know. Just a thought. You know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit too much into it. Okay, so here, here's a date. So pay for the girl's meal, okay? And so here Boaz begins to provide for, and he's really, uh, you know, he's, I think, I think he's really starting to get interested in this chick named Ruth. I mean, he's like, hey, man. I mean, guys, Boaz is kind of older. And he's, we'll see, he's kind of excited that a younger woman's even excited about him. You know what Boaz does? Another principle, free principle. It's not a tip, it's just principle. Boaz treated Ruth with respect. He respected her. He, he cared about her. He, uh, he began to fill in the gaps, and he began to give her some food here, and he told the guys that he's going to be a protector for her, and he was going to look out for her, and she was beginning to experience grace. Verse 15. Verse 15 would just say this, I'm the boss. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men. See, when you're the boss, you can order people to do stuff. He ordered them to do something. Then he says, and here's what I'm going to do. I want to honor her. I want to protect her. She is safe in my field. So women ought to feel safe in your care. And that's one of the roles of men that we would be protector because Boaz is a, a covenant keeper. He believes in a covenant keeping God and he's honoring uh, the, the woman and he's giving her grain and uh, you know, I mean, he, he could have just given her a, a, a you know, a, a basket and said, hey, here, go on home. But he didn't, he didn't want to knock her of her dignity. She was a hard worker, and he wanted her to be able to work, but he was making it easier for her. And I'm sure, do you, does anybody think the guys had some attitudes in the field? I know they did. Hey, who is that woman? Why is she getting favored? Hey, 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 guys, I think Boaz is interested in the baby. I mean, man, she's, you know, she's getting cared for. She's not one of them, but he, he begins to see. And then verse 17, let's just look there. So Ruth gathers barley there uh, all day, and when she uh, beats the grain there and fills the entire basket, there's overflow, and it, it, it's, the, it's the blessing of God. There's abundant provision, and, and commentaries talk about it would be this big and that big, and it'd be 20 to 30 pounds of food, and it'd be 50 pounds of food. And I'm going, man, Ruth was a strong woman. And, uh, and I heard, then I read something else, and it says this container would have been a, a container that could have held a, a person. Now, I got to thinking. You remember old days when we used to have silver trash cans? Can you see Ruth saying, I am woman, I am strong, and she's walking down with a trash can full of, uh, a, a, I don't know, she, she had a lot. But there's something else kind of interesting here. She doesn't eat all the roasted grain. I want you to write it down. It's the first doggy bag in Scripture. She takes the doggy bag to 
her mother-in-law. She says, hey, I, I couldn't eat at all. I was full and I got food. I want to bring you a doggy bag. Hey, when you got to eat, does anybody ever bring a doggy bag? I usually don't. I eat the whole thing when I'm there. But okay, but uh, what are you laughing about? Some of you do too. And they say, oh, it's too much, Pastor. I have to take that with me, you know. Hey, if the guy's paying, just get all you can. Okay, here we are. Right, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this one. Okay, so uh, here, here's this thing. There's abundant provision. And you know what else? Boaz crosses social, economic, and racial barriers. This weekend, Don and I got to sit under Dr. Tony Evans. I don't know, I, I didn't, I don't know if some of you were there. I hope you were. And uh, he's, he's a foremost authority about manifesting the presence of God in all communities. And he, and he, and he spoke, he loves our city because he knows how racially challenging, divided we can be and how he said this 20 years ago, he says the most segregated hour is 11 o'clock. I'm just going to let you inside pastor's heart. If I had my way, if Donna had her way, we would be 50-50 or we would be... 50, 40, and then, because, you know, we're beginning to get a lot of Asians in our community, and we have some Asians come, praise God, and, uh, it, it, and I think I have a, people, probably Mexican, have a hard time with Spanish trying to keep up with me because I kind of talk fast. But, uh, but, but, but anyway, I wish, how many of you wish we were just more diverse and more color and more everything in here? Amen? That's the church of the living Christ. So I'm thrilled when we have more than others in African-Americans some days, and then I wish we had other uh, tribes. I, I wish we just had more, more people from every ethnicity, and I think that would better represent the body of Jesus Christ. And that's what happens here in Ruth, man. They're, you know, they're, they're you know, they're, you know, he, he's crossing, he's definitely crossing barriers, and, and he's okay because he's, he's securing who he is. So Ruth's faith was rising up. Just remember that. Faith is rising up in Ruth, but faith is rising up in Naomi, and uh, I want you to look at, uh, just hear Romans 2, 4, or do you show contempt for the riches, the kindness for forbearances, for patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? The kindness of God is for one purpose, to lead you and I to turn to Him, to lead us to repentance, so the kindness of God here is great. Uh, in, in the Hebrew, the words said. And, and this, this kindness, this favor, it originates in God. The instrument is Boaz. But the love, the favor comes from the Almighty, from the throne of heaven. And it comes down to a person named Boaz. And Boaz knows God, and he doesn't hold on to the blessing. He doesn't hold on to the favor. He lets it flow through him. And as the favor flows, it touches this woman named Ruth. And we'll just see how great God is. And you know what? That's the story of the gospel. God sends the ultimate redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And through Christ, our sins get forgiven. Through Christ, we get a new start. We become new creations. And, and then you just see this uh, continued provision throughout the story here of how Boaz is very gracious. He's very generous. He's got a lot of character. And this provision here, uh, and, and, and let me get you to see this. He says, I don't want you to go to another field. Because if you go to another field, you might be assaulted. You might be taken advantage of. If you stay in my field, you'll be safe. Here, here, here's the premise that, that I think we would see here. In another field, we could be assaulted by the enemy. How many of you believe we have an enemy this morning that is out to steal, kill, and destroy our soul, and he's out to devour the body of the living Christ? He is. 
And if you go off to another field, man, you're, you're setting yourself up. You want to stay in biblical community. You want to live among other believers, and, and God provides for her, and it's just a beautiful thing of his grace. And then I think about here, God always does this surprising work. God's always doing a surprise. He, he surprises Ruth with the generosity and the love and the provision and the eventual marriage of Boaz. I mean, man, that's, I mean, this woman is basically kind of a nobody, a foreigner. And as we get over about chapter 4, oh my goodness, we just, I don't want to get there. Anyway, we'll, we'll get there in a couple of weeks. But it's just, it's great. And, uh, and you know what? Uh, Ruth, she determines to leave and forsake her family and to follow God. And in the scriptures, I believe it's over in Genesis that we, we, we leave and we cleave and we become one in marriage. It's, you know, I don't know if it's kind of a foreshadowing of the marriage. I, see, I think our God's that great. A lot of times you read in the Old Testament, you see he's setting us up or he's setting a principle. But let me tell you about Ruth. Ruth never wavers in her commitment to Naomi. You know how I know that? Because at the end of verse 23, it says, and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. She was faithful. She, she took care of her. She provided for her. She, she loved her. She was the one that went out and made sure they had food. And then a couple closing principles I want you to see today. Number one, it's easier to steer a moving car than a part one. It's just once you get a car moving, it's a lot easier to steer it than when it's just parked. See, some of us just want to drive our car out to the middle of the intersection Pull out the keys, turn on the flasher, and put on the emergency brake. Go see you. And God wants us moving. You see, Ruth became the answer to a prayer as she went out. She could have sat in the house all day and go, Naomi, oh, Naomi, bitter, cranky woman. I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Oh, Naomi says, oh, Ruth, I'm hungry. I'm starving. And maybe she heard that for a few days. I don't know. I'm reading a little bit with my sanctified imagination right now. But... Uh, is that what you call it now? Okay, and, but, but the bottom line is she got up and she went to work and she went out and she did something. We need to be moving. We need to move out in Jesus' name, not just sitting around the church. And, and the second point here is very critical. How your work says more about your Christian walk than how you worship. How you work. Guys, over and over I keep seeing this uh, diligent, hardworking woman, Ruth, and Boaz's foreman notices the work ethic. Boaz notices it. Ruth knows that this is the correct thing to do. And the principle to us is we need to be hardworking. Uh, the real measure of our faith takes place on Wednesday and Thursday afternoon. It's not in here with the screens up with our hands lifted high. As important as that is, it's like, God, how, how do we serve you? So yeah, let me show you something else I realized from studying this book. I'm, this very principle I'm talking about, I'm going to draw a parallel. This story takes place not in a temple, but in a field. Where did Ruth work? The field. In our workplace, in our school, could be our greatest place of testimony for Jesus. Just a great story. Our work, the Bible talks about screams values. In Romans 12, 12, right down to verse be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Be joyful in your hope. Romans 15, 13. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I pray for your life and mine. May the hope of Christ 
May the hope of the blessed Holy Spirit come and fill us now and forevermore. Then we look, chapter 2 ends. Chapter 2 ends. She's taking care of her mother-in-law. But I think there's a little romance starting in the field. Last weekend, ran into a man. He was walking out the door, had his iPad in his hand, and he was like this. He couldn't, he couldn't stop. I said, what are you doing? He goes, you've got me so intrigued about this story, I figure I'm going to finish it. I love it. And I'm praying you're going to read it. And when you get to the end, I was like, I don't get it. We'll come back next week. I'll keep trying to break it down. We'll try to learn about it together. But hope rises up and uh, God doesn't leave Ruth alone. He doesn't leave Naomi alone. He elevates them. He elevates them at the table of his grace. So the premise that I see today is Ruth gets satisfied by God through an instrument named Boaz. This morning, will you be satisfied with the goodness and the riches of Christ? It's a question we need to answer. Will you, uh, will you give your life to him? Let's pray. Let's just close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's be still. No movement. Lord, we uh, are grateful to be in the house of worship today. And Father, maybe we've been in the church for years. Maybe we've made it some uh, religious rhetoric or activity. But God, through the story of this precious Moabite, through this Jewish man, through this story, we see the story of grace and we see the story of redemption. I, I pray, Almighty God, that we would have an encounter as Ruth had an encounter with you. Father, cause us to see your kindness that leads us to repentance and receive the gospel, receive Christ. I beg you this morning by the mercy of God, if you've never received Jesus Christ personally as Savior and Lord, would you call upon the name of Jesus this morning? You can see one of our elders. You can see uh, some of our staff. You can see Becky, the prayer team over there. I just encourage you just to speak, speak to the person next to you. See if they know Christ. Say, I want to have an encounter. How does that happen? It'd be hard for me to break that all down, but I just know the Spirit of God is wooing. The Spirit of God is drawing. The Spirit of God is, is here for you and me. Lord, we love you. We bless the name of Jesus. And Lord, we are grateful for this last song of worship today. Lord, as the band leads us, I pray that our hearts yield themselves to you. And Father, I pray that you would bring hope this morning, that hope would rise up in Jeff Bush, that hope would rise up in us, Father, because we've gathered. Hope would rise up because Christ is here. Jesus is wants to fill you let him fill your life in the name of jesus amen